Welcome to another episode of EG Like Sunday Morning. This week, I am delighted to be joined by EG LSM regulars, Deputy Editor Tim Burke and London and Offices reporter Alex Daniel. Can you both believe it's been a whole month uh, since we sat and discussed well-being together on a Sunday morning? It feels wow. like yesterday. <laughs> and uh, to, re- to return to that theme just very quickly, how are you both doing? How, how are you feeling as the, as the gloom of winter starts to descend? I'm all right, but yeah, dark nights, dark mornings, two days a week in the office now, which I feel like I'm readjusting. So no, it's okay. I'm doing I'm doing all right. That clock change always throws me a little bit, but doing good. <laughs> and uh, we have a, a team get together to, to look forward to next week that I'm sure we will talk about on, on EG Light Sunday morning next week. I'd forgotten about that, but yes, we do. So that's 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 exciting. So Alex, um, you've had some exciting news this week on a, on a deal flurry, which I, I, I think has a nice McDonald's ring to it. Uh, and our neighbours across the street, uh, 22 Bishopsgate. We like a, a good deal flurry, don't we? A deal <laughs> McFlurry. Um, yeah, so 22 Bishopsgate, obviously kind of the, the sort of the a flagship new office um, tower in the city, the tallest tower in the city as well. Um, it's been really gaining some momentum this year in terms of leasing. Obviously, 2020 was a bit slow and it completed in December 2020. But as the world has kind of opened up again, lots and lots of people have been flocking to this. It's, you know, it's kind of one of the most exciting sort of um I guess uh, schemes, exciting buildings that is being leased in the city at the moment um, for obvious reasons. Um, So the latest news on that is that the US investment bank William Blair um, has signed up for about 60,000 square foot, which is quite a lot across two and a half floors, I believe. Um, They are expanding in the UK significantly. They're um, upsizing by about three times. Um, the big one, though, um, is Apple taking mm. more space there. Um, it's um, it already had two floors. Um, Apple already had two floors, and there have been reports over kind of previous years that Apple had signed a big prelet there. Um, it turned out it only had about fifty thousand square foot at the building until a few months ago when it signed for three extra floors at the building, which took it to about one hundred twenty-five thousand, I believe, maybe one hundred thirty. Um, which is quite a lot of space, especially given the fact that Apple has Battersea Power Station coming up, mm. um, which is going to be its UK base um, probably next year once the fit out's done and they move in. Um, no one's quite sure exactly when that's going to happen yet. Um, but yeah, this is kind of Apple's city base now, I suppose, uh, 22 Bishopsgate. And the fact that um, a company like that is drawn to it, I think probably says a lot about the kind of the quality and the... Um, it, the, I don't want to say glamour, but kind of the fashion of the building, I suppose, um, in terms of kind of city offices. Um, and it's certainly been sort of uh, described as a bellwether for other sort of prime offices in the city. And the fact that this is filling up quickly is probably a good sign of things to come for um, for city leasing agents. But probably suggests you've got to have absolutely the best of the best building, right? You've got to be absolutely. as good as 22 to draw those kind of names in now. It's setting yeah, a new you, setting a new standard. I mean, you have to have 62 floor re- stories to your building if you want to make any leasing <laughs> deals. Um, but 22 Bishopsgate will not be joined uh, in the London skyline uh, by the Tulip, um, uh, courtesy of Michael Gove's decision this week. Sadly not. And um, breaking on Thursday um, was the news uh, that the Tulip Tower um, has been rejected 
by Michael Gove. This is contrary to reports um, a couple of weeks ago that he was on course to um, to wave it through and give it the green light. Um, I'd be surprised if any listeners don't know what the Tulip Tower is, but, you know, massive viewing platform in the city, um, questionable shape, um, named after its shape, a tulip. Um, and it got, um, I, I think it, it it got dismissed by Sadiq Khan um, in 2019. Um, Sadiq Khan is pretty opposed to it. And uh, this news, uh, it, it then got appealed. Um, it's Safra, um, the developer. It then got appealed and delayed until... Um, until the 11th of November, um, Thursday. And um, yeah, the government has turned it down and Sadiq Khan has released a statement saying that he is delighted, which (laughs) is quite entertaining. Um, I think there will be probably um, some people in the city who are quite disappointed by this and it it could turn out to be a controversial decision, but it wasn't like the scheme was on the cards and has been turned down. Mm. Uh, It's just kind of been strung out by appeal processes and now it probably has been um nipped in the bud if you'll excuse the pun boom boom <laughs> do you, that do you is, think that has divided opinion since since those cgis first came out back in 2018 i remember sitting it with chris hayward who was then the chair of the city city of london corporation um planning and transport committee i remember sitting with him at mipim in early 2019 and they just realized that his final um his final planning meeting as chair would be to decide the fate of the tulip and he said it would be without any question the most controversial scheme he had ever given a view on um while on that committee and i think i mean inarguable i would have said and they then but they then they then pushed it pushed it through until sadiq overturned it but it's it's one of those marmite schemes i think you either you either look at it and love it or you look at it and think what possible place does that have in the in the square mile skyline you know well it is an interesting scheme because i mean the reason that gove and uh the department for leveling up i believe it's now called um gave uh, the main reason was um because it would obscure views of the tower of london um and it would possibly bring its world heritage status which is very important um into uh question and put it at risk but i mean we have seen so many office towers waved through this year despite huge concerns um from uh, heritage england and uh, um historic royal palaces and and organizations like that that it's interesting to see the government sort of um take the side of the the kind of the heritage argument in mm. this one i suppose it's it's that difference between just another office tower and a uh, tourist attraction on the scale of what the what the tulip was going to be absolutely um and tim um you've been looking uh, as as you so often are the the future of flex offices uh, this week yes so we've had um we've had a, a lot of the big agencies putting out their q3 numbers over the last couple of weeks and that includes the big US listed guys, so CBRE, uh, Cushman and Wakefield, and JLL, and and it's a pretty healthy set of numbers. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the business divisions are now um, bringing in fee revenue, quarterly fee revenue that's that's comfortably above, not just where it was in the depths of the pandemic, but but back in 2019 as well. So the, there are plenty of signs there that a corner's been turned, and quite a lot of interesting commentary, as you say, about the outlook for 
not just the office market generally, but but the flex space too. And, and particularly interesting because a lot of those big agencies have taken quite different approaches to trying to capitalize on what happens in the flex space next. So you have um, you have CBRE, which um, which built its own flex business in HANA and has now spun that off uh, into a US operator called Industrious and CBRE is now invested in Industrious as part of that deal. And their chief executive uh, talked a little bit with analysts about that being the agency's attempt basically to hedge against a downturn in the office occupancy market. So if you see people turning to flex instead of their traditional leasing, they've still got a piece of that a piece of that action. You've got Cushman who um, who have got an exclusive tie up with with WeWork, you know, arguably still a, the sort of poster child of, of flex space and now a public company. They've invested in that business and um, their pitch for that is slightly different. So, um, so Cushman's Cushman's chief executive was on uh, was on their earnings call talking about the fact that a tie up with WeWork means they can now pitch that access to WeWork and its products to any multinational company that they're angling for work with uh, over the next over the next few years. Uh, and then you've got JLL, which feels a little more reserved. There's no big investment in existing operators. Their their pitch has very much been. We're not trying to push work in the way of one operator over another. We simply want to help our clients work out which is the best flex provider for you. So I think, you know, between those three approaches, some interesting paths that these these firms are taking as we work out, okay, how, just how big is the flex space going to be as we all get back into the office? And if you're if you're a big name estate agency, how do you work out the way to, how do you work out how best to make money from that? All to play for, to use the cliche. <laughs> and uh, what else has been going on this week? Um, we've got a couple of very powerful, very personal um, pieces in in this week's edition, which um, which I'd urge everyone to to make some time to read. They're both around uh, around people's journeys as they transition. So. The first of those is an interview with Lee Butts, who's the founder of, of District Technologies, and who came out uh, about a year ago now as non-binary trans. And they sat down with um, with Emily Wright and spoke about the lack of role models for people transitioning around their sexuality and their gender identity, uh, not least within the real estate industry, and Lee's own desire now to be a role model for others who might be who might be looking for guidance um and then alongside that interview which you 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 can read in the magazine and you can also watch a video of it online we have a first person piece from gainer mary warren wright uh, who is a surveyor who spent years feeling uh, as she puts it out of place in my skin but who uh, for a long time including in her career was trying to conform to what she thought a, a normal life should look like and then in her 60s accepted that uh, she had she had always been gainer whether or not she had she had truly admitted that to herself and so we have her story and also some words from nicholas cheffings who's a, a real estate lawyer who's who's known and worked with with gainer for some years and and they they say that they know that they will receive some criticism and perhaps even abuse from the pieces that they've written for EG this week, but that they want to share a story that they hope inspires others and basically has has a new start 
at the end of that. And and it it was heartening to see that they included a thank you to the real estate industry in um in their piece, which they said as 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 welcomed Gainer in a way that belies the reputation it has for too often not wanting to embrace diversity and not fostering inclusion. Um, so that they're, they're they're two really powerful pieces. Um, Sam McClary said in her editor's comment for this week, you know, this is this is what transforming real estate is about, and it feels like we should all be we should all be embracing that without fear, much like um, much like Lee and Gaynor have. Absolutely, and, and um, yeah, it's sad to think that they do this in in expectation of receiving, in, uh, yeah, you know, a piece online, but but one can only hope that that it is nowhere near as as bad as they they fear. Yes. Uh, and um, other big news of the week. Um, a big revelation uh, on the front page of this week's magazine from Emma Rossa, who uh, who broke the news this week that KKR, private equity giant, is making its first push into UK BTR. So it is launching a billion pound platform with Moda Living, uh, starting out with with an asset in Edgebaston. But you know anyone who knows. KKR uh, will know that um, that uh, that portfolio will expand beyond Birmingham, I'm sure, before before very long at all. Just another another big example of the amount of institutional capital that's now looking to um, looking to enter the BTR market. I mean, the, it, it's difficult now to point to large names that aren't that aren't trying to find a way to put money to work in that space. And you know, this is this is just the latest example of these these giants of the um, of the financial world that. Um, that are seeing a big opportunity in BTR, not least in the UK. And um, even I can offer a bit of bit of news with the the, the government having published uh, the commercial rent coronavirus bill and uh, revised code of practice, uh, which sets the stage for the um, uh, the long promised uh, arbitration process for dealing with commercial rent debts arising out of the pandemic. So that that's been uh, published this week. So we've had lots of discussion on that and the, the process. Um, it, it is very much intended as a last resort uh, where landlords and tenants have been unable to resolve unpaid rent disputes. And then the idea is um, that uh, in those circumstances, it will provide a quick and cost effective means of <coughs> resolving any remaining disputes without without costly and drawn out litigation. And, and um, one thing it is important to note is that while the new revised code of practice uh, does apply more widely. The, the bill only actually applies to commercial rent debts um, that uh, accrued during periods of lockdown um, when businesses were actually forced uh, by law to close. So um, according to the business secretary, uh, these measures will provide commercial landlords and tenants with the clarity and certainty they need to plan ahead and recover from the pandemic. But um, uh, it, it won't be a surprise for listeners to hear that there are a few details and wrinkles still to be worked out. And um, Matthew Ditchburn, uh, head of real estate disputes at Hogan Lovells warned that the big gamble for the government is that the new arbitration scheme won't actually encourage commercial landlords and tenants to come together to settle rent arrears, but will have the opposite effect. And he fears that you know the 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 fact that this won't come into force until spring might mean there's a backlog of cases, and the fact that the process will be limited to those lockdown periods means that commercial tenants who do thinks who think who may think that this scheme will get them off the hook um, may be in for a shock is how we put it uh, and he predicts a possible further spike in tenant insolvencies in 2022 um, but the overall message seems to be 
including from Melanie Leach, the BPF chief exec, and uh, lawyers at Mishcon who've, who've prepared a very nice, uh, clear uh, summary of the of the bill for us, which people can read online and uh, will be in print next week. That that landlords, those landlords and tenants who haven't thrashed it out yet, should very much get together, um, negotiate, and and find a way to reach agreement uh, without resolving to arbitration. Yes, indeed. I can't believe that it isn't the final word on it, though. I would have, <laughs> no, I would have hoped that it was all done and dusted now. <laughs> well, sadly, never the way. Um, okay, and fingers crossed, this can also be resolved without ending in a in a, a fierce argument. It is, of course, the quiz of the week. Um, so this week, Tim, I'll let you decide whether to have odds or evens. Do you want to go um, first or second? I'll go. I'll go first. You go first. Okay. Question one. A rescue plan has been revealed by administrators for which beleaguered co-living developer? The best known beleaguered co-living <laughs> developer, which is the collective. It is indeed the collective. One nil. Alex, a resi scheme called St. Mary's Wharf looks set to replace the former Debenhams in which southern town? Oh, no, I don't know the answer to this. <laughs> Tim, would you have got that one? Yes, I would have. It is. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. I'll get the point. <laughs> um, it's Guildford. It was Guildford. Right, Tim, your second question. It's the missing words question. Gove blasts blank developers. Gove blasts blank developers. It is. It's the only it's the only it's the only phrase that can be cowboy developers. It is cowboy developers to and it referred two. to his department as the sheriffs, I think. <laughs> as if it didn't have enough names. <laughs> He's now, now the true. Secretary of State for uh, sheriffing and levelling up. Uh, Alex, investor opens his own blank. Investor opens his own blank. Oh, God. Um, this is I'm, I'm really, really not happy about this because I knew the answer to the last question, but I don't know the answer to this. Um <laughs> Open his own. Shall we say fund? Uh, Tim, would you have got this one? Yeah, I, I don't know why I'm nodding, as if anyone else can see me <laughs> not me nodding. And <laughs> um, um, the investor has opened his own. He opened his own department store. He has. Ah. Yes. This is the news that private investor Tahir Ali has opened the Fife department store at another former Debenhams in Kakodi, a, a town, a Scottish town I know well, after buying the property at auction. Uh, do you know it well, or was that a joke? I don't know why that would I do, have been I do know it quite well. Uh, my, my family is from uh, the nearby uh, Dunfermline, so I, I've oh. um, visited Kakodi several times in my life. I have to admit, I can't recall ever going to its Debenhams. Uh, but, you know, next time I'm in, in the area, the Fife department store is high on my list of, of yeah. things to uh, check out. Uh, okay, uh, Tim, for a, 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 for a full house... Who will be opening actual bricks and mortar stores to sell equipment to enter its virtual world? Um, Facebook. Uh, With the, or do I have to say the new name? Do I have to say Meta? <laughs> I think we. I think yeah, that we, they might sue. Usually, uh, I think we have, we have to say the new name, which is of course, which is Meta. It is. It is. Okay, so this is just for. Uh, for pride, really, Alex. But uh, according to research by YouSwitch, which TV home has had the biggest positive impact on surrounding properties in real life? 
Oh, um, I okay. Well, I especially read the diary pages in advance of this quiz in case we got in this scenario where I didn't get any answers right. And I think it is the house from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. It is the yes. mansion from the Fresh yes. Prince of Bel Air. Fantastic. Well done. Uh, proving as if proof were needed that if you read one page of EG every week, it should always be the diary page. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, thanks to you both. Um, to everyone else at home, you have been listening to EG Like Sunday Morning. <laughs>